City Hope Church, how's everybody doing? Everybody good? I want to welcome the Mobile campus, Foley, Baymanet, and all the guys at Holman. Uh, thank you so much for being part of our weekend experience, worshiping with us. And let, let me just add a little tagline to things like Stuff the Bus. Uh, there are some things that we've been doing a long time, and in the very beginning of the church, it was be faithful in your own backyard. So for us to be international and do international ministry and missions, we have to be faithful here. So don't just ignore that. Well, they do that every year. Well, every year kids go back to school. So do, do what you can. Let's, let's help some kids and, and be part of that. And then what that does is God allows us to do more international missions and trips and things. And we have some tremendous trips planned next year. So be part of that. Well, we're in the second part of a four-part series called The Key to Everything. Uh, we, we are talking about the action key in the Bible, the subject key, is Jesus. Uh, there is no doubt that Jesus is the key to everything, but the action key is giving, and we started this last weekend. I encourage you to go back and watch this if you missed it. Uh, the, the reason the action key is giving is because God gave his son, and we can come into a relationship with him, then everything in our lives flows from the attitude of giving. So giving affects two major areas of our lives, relationships and resources. And the first two weeks, we're basically talking about relationships. And I ask you the question, have you ever had a key made that didn't work? And the reason it didn't work is one of the teeth on the key wasn't ground down properly. So there are four teeth I'm identifying in this series as, as the key to everything. And Jesus makes it very clear. You can have three of the teeth and, 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 and ground properly in one that's not. And, and, and things are not going to... Uh, flow and operate in the fullness of what he has for your life and abundance and, and the blessings of God. There, there could be a tooth on the key that you're not allowing him to grind down. So your key will never work as intended. Last week we talked about give out actions and serving and giving words and we went into a salt covenant with different people in the, in the auditoriums. So this weekend I'm talking about give in. Give in. I'm going to start in Luke our key verse is Luke 6:38, but I'm going to go to the verse before that, and here's what Jesus said. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. And then in verse 38, give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured back into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. In other words, the same key that you use or the same thing that you do these things is going to come back to you. So Jesus put verse 37, 38 together because he's linking giving with living. You, you cannot separate living without giving. You, you just can't. You, you can say, well, I, and this is the mentality that we may have in, in our part of the country being in the Bible Belt. Well, I, I give in the offering boxes. And so everything ought to be great in my life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something there. Not if you're neglecting the areas that he mentions. He mentions these areas, judging, condemning, and forgiving. He links them together. And, and, and that's the exact problem the Pharisees had. And, and, you know, they tithe, but they didn't do the other things because their tithing wasn't from their heart. It was legalistic. Matthew 23, 23, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but you do not, 
neglect the more, but you do neglect the, other, the more important things. Now, this is from the New Testament. These are the words of Jesus that we should tithe. He's saying to them, even you, you, you tithe, but even on all these little spices, but you're neglecting justice, mercy, and faith. He's saying you're giving, but you're not living because you can't separate giving from living. You're using one tooth to the key to everything, but the others you're neglecting. So if I tie in Luke uh, 6.37, he said, do not judge, that's justice, and do not condemn, that's mercy, and then do not forgive, that's faith, because it takes faith to forgive. So I want to look at three of the four. Next week I'll look at the fourth one, that's give. So I want to look at three of the four. One is do not judge. Today, I think there are a lot of people who give a little at church, a little, put a little in the offering box, and it's legalistic or it's ritualistic or it's minimalistic activity in your life. And, and, and as you think about, as long as I put a little something in the offering box, I don't have to worry about how I treat my wife. I don't have to adjust my attitude I have toward other people and, and different situations. But you see, that's not true. Jesus said, do not judge, don't be judging. So let me tell you what a judgment really is. Here's what a judgment is when he says, do not judge. It's a critical thought or a word. Judgment is a critical thought or a word. In other words, you can make a judgment and not even express it. Now, we usually express it, a lot of judgments. We are a judgmental society. I, I didn't think you would say amen on that, but I will. Amen. And then with, with media and all of this, it's just, it's just blown up. We, we, we are a judgmental society, therefore we judge people we don't know. We judge situations we don't know the details about. And then what we do is that we talk about that in our conversation. Hey, so-and-so did this. Did you hear what they said, what he did, what they said? And, and people will tell you things that, that famous people did, and, and you don't even know the person, but you heard they did this or said this. Well, how do you know it's true? Well, it was on the Internet. So, uh, you know, hopefully you don't believe everything you read. Um, the point is, even if they said it or did it, why, why make a judgment on someone you don't even know? Why be critical and judgmental of circumstances that you don't know the details? Here's what happens when we judge, Romans 2 and 1. You may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself for you who judge others do the, the, these very same things. So Jesus said, do not judge, you'll not be judged. He, he, he gives a command, and he says, if you'll do this, there's a reward. If you don't judge, then you won't be judged. If you take the not out of the sentence, do judge, you will be judged. If you judge, you bring judgment on yourself, words and thoughts and negative words coming at you. Why would we want to do that? Because we're caught up in a society that's, that's openly doing this. Number two uh, of, of, of the three things we're going to look at is do not condemn. Let me tell you what condemn means. It means to sentence a person or bring sentence on a person. Now, this is worse than judgment because judgment is the critical thought or the word that's in your mind that can come out your mouth. But condemning is when we hope something bad happens to somebody. It's where we hope they suffer consequences for what they've done. Have you ever thought like this? And, and, and you don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever thought, I hope he gets what's coming to him? <laughs> Most of us have had that thought. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me flip it around. Are you going to get what's coming to you? Yeah, but pastor, I didn't do what they did. Okay, but what did you do? Do, do you want to get up and tell everybody what you did? I don't think so. And, and, and listen, th this is a real hard statement, but I have to make it, okay? Because this is the truth. So don't, when I make this statement, don't, don't turn the page on me, okay? 
We all deserve eternal damnation. But we're not going to get what we deserve, so why would we wish that someone else got what they deserve? Why don't we wish upon them the same thing we receive? Grace, mercy. Why not the next time instead of judgmental or condemning thoughts, say, Lord, I hope they get what I've got, forgiven, a change of heart. So do not judge, do not condemn, and then thirdly, he said, forgive others. Let me give you a practical definition of forgive. It's the word release. That's what forgive means. You, you've been released from the penalty of your sin, so you have to release others. And listen, you can't just say, I forgive them. You have to release them. And we're going to look at two verses that follow the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew 6, Our Father which art in heaven, that prayer. And then after the prayer, verse 14, he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's amazing because we believe the Lord's Prayer. We believe every part of it, and it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. All of a sudden now we come to the next two verses out of the prayer, and we don't believe this. So understand, we're not talking about your salvation. Because salvation is not something we can earn. You're saved by grace. We're talking about being held in bondage even as a believer. Because as a believer, you've been forgiven, but you won't forgive somebody else. Or you say you forgive them, but you don't release them. It's still in the back of your mind. Therefore, you go back into bondage. And you're not released either. And, and you don't experience the abundance or the reward of life to its fullest because you haven't, you haven't had the release that God wants you to give. So in saying all of that, five years or so ago, I, I met a pastor. And this pastor uh, pastors in Pritchard, Alabama. And we have been there to help him on many serve projects. We, he's even been to some conferences with us, so I, I know him very well. And, and so it's Pastor Julius Hastings. He's the pastor. The church's name is Walls of Salvation. And, and I, I asked him, I said, and, and, and he was out of, he's out of town this weekend, or he, he would be here uh, live, but, but he, he's out of town. So I said, will you sit down with me and let's talk, pastor to pastor. Let's talk about this. And so we did. So I'd like for you to watch this video. Well, pastor, thanks for taking time out of your schedule coming and talk to us. I felt like that it would be good for you and I to sit down and talk. Yes, sir. Um, we were actually talking uh, a few minutes ago about how this weekend, while we're in service, right. there's another shooting takes place right. of, of police in Baton Rouge. And and I, I admire what you did. You uh, you pulled up a chair right in front of everybody and say, okay, let's, let's talk. Right. <laughs> and uh, I think that's kind of what I wanted to do with right. you because mm -hmm. I've, I've known you for five or six years and right. um, I, want, I want us to just talk a little bit and I, I really feel like that, um, that maybe you can give us some insight okay. toward uh, hatred, toward unforgiveness uh, and, and then even some common sense things but you and I both agree that mm -hmm. what has to take place in our country starts in the church right i believe we are we are the key we are the salute the uh, solution uh to what we see going on in our world today and i think the church have taken the back seat 
long enough, that's why we see darkness spreading and expanding the way it is. And so I just believe that when the church began to come together and reconcile among one another, and that way we can release reconciliation into our world. A lot of that reconciliation you experienced coming up through as a child mm-hmm. and manhood and some of the things you've told me that that you look back now and know that God's hand was upon you, mm-hmm. but it's changed your heart. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want you to tell that story a little bit, and then uh, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll talk about the, the man you led to the Lord in the prison that okay. God identified in your heart that there's no more, there's yes, no more hate in your heart. Yeah, but just like I was sharing with you, Pastor Jerry, um, coming up, uh, my family, we never... We never discuss uh, a racial discrimination or prejudice in our family. I wasn't I wasn't raised that way. Right. I, I shared with you how my dad, you know, uh, when he first got married, he was a chauffeur for one of the richest men in Birmingham, and yeah. we lived in their home. Yeah. We ate at their table, and so we wasn't raised to, that way to 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 hate or to be. A, a prejudice against anybody. Right. And then after that, he became a brick mason contractor. Right. And so he always dealt with the public. He always dealt with uh, uh, the opposite race. Right. And so we just wasn't raised that way. But as I was went to college, I actually had full football scholarship at Arizona State. And when we went out there, you know, the Mormon religion was the was the main religion out there. And they actually treated the blacks different than the whites. Uh, it was stories that the Mormons thought black men had tails. And, uh, and so that's where it kind of started rising up in me, you know, that, okay, I need, I can't trust right. the opposite race. Although my best, some of my best friends was always the, the opposite race, right. you know. Uh, matter of fact, my best friends was the opposite race. Yeah. I got a little better with them, amen, than my own uh, race. But in the process of coming out of college, to make a long story short, coming out of college during the 70s, uh, some of my friends went to Vietnam. They came back actually racist because of how they was treated by their own soldiers, their own comrades, in fighting on the same side, but got the watch their back for their own soldiers shooting them in the back. Right. And so all that, I guess, began to build up. And, and uh, 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 I got into a lifestyle where I began to distribute narcotics. And uh, uh, one day, one day, you know, I was uh, actually driving a car and uh, I made a U-turn and was stopped by a police officer. And uh, that police officer, when I tried to share with him that, you know, the registration in the car, you know, uh, I, I realized I made a U-turn, and but he was really, really just gun-ho. He didn't want to hear none of that. He was really forceful to me. And he says, well, just let me search you, search you. And I says, officer, I've shared with you that I, the registration in the car, here's my license. Why you got to search, search me? And so he forced himself on me. And when he did that, we got in such a little struggle. And But when we broke loose, he pulled his gun out and he shot me. He shot me in my right leg. And uh, uh, nothing was actually did about that. You know, uh, uh, matter of fact, my dad, 
was actually threatened during that time that if we pursue uh, uh, any lawsuits, that we would actually experience a lot of trouble. And it kind of scared my dad off. Yeah. But t as time went on, time went on, that same police officer, when I did get well, he tormented me. I would be riding my car, and next thing I know, hear that same officer pulling up on me, pulling me to the side, just tormenting me. And uh, a couple of years later, he uh, got in an altercation with a young man, and a young man actually murdered the officer and was found not guilty because the officer was actually was the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. And so all those experience, from that experience, I made up in my mind that the, if I get stopped by a police officer, it's going to be either me or him. And, 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 and that's the average black man that's out in the world that's not saved, that's the mentality that they have. Because they feel they feel though they feel as though I got to get them before they get me, right. or they, or I got to resist, or I can't be I can't I got to be a man, and it, it's it's almost hard for when a black man gets stopped by a police officer, could he really keep his man mentality or or his manhood, in other words, right. and be who be who he is, right. and so but but in the process, um, I never forget this day. I had made up my, my mind that if I get stopped again, it'll be me or him. And I had a uh, 357 Magnum, and I kept it with me. And one day it was storming on, on uh, I-65 going south. And uh, I had a, a ton load of drugs in the car. And police stopped me. I was speeding. Stopped me, and I made up my mind. If he tried to arrest me, I'm, I'm going to shoot him. I get out of my car, walk to him in the stormy rain, and ask him, officer, what's the problem? And he said, just slow it up a little bit, buddy. And now that I'm saved, I realize that that was God <laughs> to yeah. protect me, yeah. you know, from committing murder, right. you know, from an innocent man, right. you know, and so... Uh, uh, now that I'm saved, I, I see the hand of God that uh, have protected me, and uh, I, I have uh, forgiven. I, I walk in forgiveness toward what happened to me for us to shooting. Uh, I have uh, countless times had to let my brothers know, <laughs> Christian brothers know, my white Christian brothers know, you don't have to keep asking me. <laughs> Uh, 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 for, forgiveness. For forgiveness. Yeah. Let's get past this yeah. so we can move on. Right. Amen. And solve other problems. And so, but I believe I was tested, Pastor Jerry, uh, in 19, uh, 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 and, uh, and some of the people may remember this, when Michael Donald was hung over on Spring Hill, I believe in Oshiel Road, the Grand Wizard's son, Henry Hayes, uh, was accused of uh, hanging Michael Donald. And I believe it was the last hanging that we can have record of. And uh, at the time, I was uh, incarcerated, and the Lord, some kind of way, orchestrated uh, for me to be right next to him in a cell. And at this time, I'm born again. And to me, I believe it was a test to see was I really was walking in forgiveness. Right. Because I believe that 
in the body of Christ, we need to really, really display and show actions. If I, if I say that I don't hold you account for what happened over four or 500 years ago in slavery, I need to display that with action yeah. by, by, by not, not holding you or having you to feel like you got to monitor your words out of your mouth right. or you might say some offensive to right, me, right. you know? And so uh, Michael, actually, Henry Hayes actually confessed to me. He says, he says, I mean, he was such a giving person to me, just giving me everything he had, sharing everything. And I asked him, I said, Henry, did you really do it? And Henry confessed that he did not do it. So we're, what I did was saying, well, Henry, you know what? They're going to electrocute you. But the best thing you could do now is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I led Henry Hayes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. And they did electrocute Henry Hayes in Holman Prison a few years after that. But we'll be surprised who will be in heaven when we get yeah, there. We will. We <laughs> yeah. will. But yeah. didn't you tell me that after that, that God confirmed in your heart that you, you didn't have this hatred and racism? Yes. That yeah. After that, I knew I was free from any hatred or holding any strife in my heart against the opposite race. Right. Because he spoke to me and said that if you were a racist, you wouldn't have saved him. You would have let him burn and went to hell. Right, right. And so, I mean, the average black man would have just said, let him burn. Yeah. You know, and so, and, and, and that's, I, I believe that's where we are right now. It's time for the body of Christ, just like we sitting here right here. I count it a privilege and an honor to sit here with you today to, uh, and I just want to let your congregation know, uh, and I want to let you know that I, man, man, we forgive you. Oh, yeah. and, and matter of fact, you know, it's wrong to me as a Christian to say that I'm Christ-like and see Jesus hanging on the cross, forgiving those who rebel against him, marked him, crucified him. Right. And I say that same Jesus lives in me and still holding malice or strife in my heart because right. you're a different color of skin right. than I am. Right. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate that. Let me ask you a personal question. I know what God's put on my heart to help our people mm -hmm. right now during this. Yes, sir. What, God, what has God put on your heart for your congregation? You pastor in Pritchard. You, you pastor, you grew up there, you know mm -hmm. the people, you, you, you know the, the, the feel of that community. Mm -hmm. What's God put on your heart? To, how, how are you leading your people now? Well, right now, Right now, Pastor Jerry, what we're doing, we're, we're praying. Uh, 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 we're standing on Second Chronicles, you know, if my right. people right. that are called by my name, right. you know, that we're humbling ourselves and we're, we're, we're praying. And we're praying, amen, without stopping. But we're also uh, uh, allowing people like we got police officers that belongs to the church. We're allowing them to be able to inform our, our especially in that community, you know, right. in Pritchard, Alabama, you know, there's a, a, a there's a lot a lot of things going on there, and it's a it's a struggle in right. that city. Right. You know, and uh, we we really try uh, attempting to to inform and teach these things that's been happening. You know, with 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 uh, Mobile, Michael Moore, you know, uh, and then Ban then Minnesota Baton Rouge, 
you know, I immediately got on the phone, you know, and began to call every young person and adults in, 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 in the church, you know, to try to start teaching them, please don't rebel, right. you know, humble yourself, right. you know, walk, be Christ-like, right. you know, and, uh, but we supposed to have some, we getting ready, just like Sunday, I, 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 I normally preach and teach, but Sunday the Lord put it on my heart to just get a chair and sit down just like we talking now. Right. and sit down and talk to the congregation so I can know their feel. You right. know, I had one man, to actually a Christian man, ask me, uh, do we buy guns? Because they feel like a, a racial war going to break out yeah. from where the police is shooting the citizens. And then here now we're seeing police officers is being uh, shot. And I'm going to have to let, I let them know that those police officers, man, all, all police, they are first responders. Right. You can't hate all police officers. We right. got police officers go to our church, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I'm trying to teach them. They are your first responders. If you need them, you that's who you call them. Right. And so what we're doing is just trying to educate the people and how to conduct themselves. And most of all, I just believe that it's just time that the church will pray and we need to pray without cease. Right. And I believe prayer too reveals to us do we are we really holding something in our heart right or what's going on around you have you given place back to you know uh, racial hate right you know because paul says give no place to the devil right so that means what's going on around you as a christian you still can if you just focus on the media focus on what's going on you can you can give place to that sure you, you know and yeah. so we must guard ourselves and we must make sure that we are on the assignment that God has given us, and that is uh, being the solution to the problem. Right. And we are the solution. And we are the solution to the problem. And I think you told me the mayor of Pritchard reached out to you, and, and yes. what's his plan that's coming up a few weeks? Yeah, a few matter of fact, on uh, August the 2nd, we're doing a prayer vigil in the Sunlight Theater in Pritchard, Alabama. And this is the mayor of Pritchard, which is a, a Christian, yeah. and, uh, and he... And we're doing a prayer vigil. We call it all races to come together. And uh, and, and we're going to just have a night of prayer. Right. And uh, we also uh, 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 affiliated with other uh, racial reconciliation groups there in Mobile in Pritchard, Alabama, where we call in pastors, you know, from different churches to come together. And we're just sitting at the round table and we having pastors confess to one another, yeah. you know, uh, white and black pastors confessing to one another we making commitments to go to breakfast with one another right. once or twice a month right you know so what, what we and we 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 what we're trying to do is uh i believe the church uh, and i and i have to commend uh city of hope for not just being a church within the walls right. uh you you guys been a great example of of going out in the communities and that's what that's where that's where we're going to make the difference yeah because they cannot see that love or experience the light if we just stay amongst one another. Right. The right. only way darkness will be comprehended is by the light of God. Right. There is no other way. It's the same experience that I experienced that I had to be born again in order to be free from what I was holding in my heart, which I thought I had a right to uh, for what, what had happened to me. Right. And, and, and but, but, but once I received Jesus... I was free from that. Yeah. And I just want to encourage that if anybody that's listening to us, amen, holding something in their heart from past experiences, right. 
you, you know, only way you're going to be free is through Jesus Christ. Right. That's, again, that, that is the solution. Do you think that, and you've mentioned it, we've talked about it, this recycling of repentance to, right. to people right. over and over and over again. Do you think that's guilt? Do you think that's people not really allowing Christ to change their heart, to identify that yeah, they I, can forgive? What, why is that cycle still going on? Yeah, right? I, I, sometimes I believe it's, uh, sometimes I believe it's guilt. That's just like I was in a meeting, you know, with, with, uh, with some brothers uh, uh, last week, matter of fact, and the white brothers, black brothers there, and uh, one of the white brothers used the word uh, uh, cracker. And, uh, and he said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I hope I didn't offend anybody. And uh, we had to let him know. Now, we've been meeting for a year now. <laughs> and if you can't be who you are, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. man, get past. We're not offended. Right. So you need to get past right. trying to think or monitor your words before right. you say them in the fear of offending right. your brother. We yeah. are your brother, man. So let's get past the offense. But I believe that it's a lot of it. It is guilt. A lot of it, I believe, Pastor Jerry, is the environment. Uh, you, uh, uh, If you're still hanging around and socializing with the environment right. that's using the N-word, that's using racial cliches right. and you and you get caught up doing that but yet you trying to reconcile right you, it, it's, it's it, not gonna happen it's not gonna happen right. so you just like me and you sitting here now uh we got to be this way when we leave this room right right i'm gonna have to be this way if i'm around all black brothers right and you're gonna have and, and that's just the way it is this is who we are right we walk in forgiveness toward right. one another right. you, you know and uh that's one thing I really learned about and from Jesus, the lifestyle of Jesus Christ, that if Jesus washed Judas's carrot feet, right. knowing that he was going to portray him, and if that same love, amen, flows and operates through us, right. no matter what you watch this, not what you have done, but maybe your forefathers have right. done. Right. Why should I hold you hostage right. for That's what good. they have done? And you're born again. Right. Uh, old things have passed away. Behold, all old things, things have become new. new. That's good. You know. It is. That's yes. good. Yeah. And I think I think we need to hear that. Yes. I, I think the church needs to hear that. Believers need to hear it. Right. White and black. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us, and you know, I, I'd I'd like for you for us to kind of wrap this up, and I'd like for you to just pray over our churches, okay. because spiritually, you're responsible to a group of people, right. I'm responsible to a group of people, and we want to lead them. But I'd like for you to close this out with just praying for our churches that this hate and racism, all this tension will go right. away, and the love of God will just come to the forefront. And we'll, we'll just be so different. The people will say, who, who are those people? Right, amen, amen. You do that? Yes, listen, pray. Okay. Father, we just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we magnify your name. We exhort your name, Lord, in this earth. We thank you, Lord, for even this awesome nation. We believe, Lord God, that you chose Israel because you loved Israel. But we believe that you chose America because America loved you. Father, we love you today, and we bless you today, and we do give you honor. Today, Lord God, we come together as one man, 
And we pray, Lord, for the body of Christ. We pray, Father God, that the body of Christ will begin to arise and shine and let the glory of the Lord, Lord, shine in our world. Right in the midst of darkness, Father, we ask you, Lord, to use us as we humble ourselves, Lord, before you. And Father, in Jesus' name, Father, we just thank you and praise you for the a spirit of forgiveness. And we just release that spirit right now, Lord God, to city hope, to the walls of salvation, to the body of Christ. And we says, forgive us, yeah. amen, for holding you hostage of what have happened over 400 years ago. And we free you from that. And we release the love of God, amen, in our churches, Lord God. That, that, that you said in your word, Father, that, that your inheritance is as a spe speckled bird. Father God, we just thank you and praise you right now that in you there is no male, no female, no Jew, no, 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 no barbarian. Lord God, we just receive right now the forgiveness that Jesus died for. And Father, we just release right now the spirit of forgiveness in the body of Christ toward one another. And we thank you and praise you for it right now. Father, we even pray, Lord God, for the officers that has been, been shot down, Lord God, their families, mm -hmm. Lord, their children, Lord, mm -hmm. they're, absent, they're absent of a father tonight or today. And Father, even the young men that have been, Lord, shot down by the police officers, they had sons and they had daughters and they had uh, wives and, and mothers and fathers, we lift them up before you. And Father, no way we are justifying criminal activity. But Father, we need a move of God in our world. We ask you to open up the floodgates of heaven and let the glory of the Lord begin to flow through every highway and byway, every crack and crevice. Let it begin with the body of Christ. Yeah. And we'll be, so, we'll be so careful to give you the praise. We'll be so careful to give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And that's it all. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, man. God bless Appreciate you, sir. You, God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. It's blessing to be here, Pastor. <laughs> As we both have said, the church can change the culture we live in. The church has done it before. At the birth of Christianity 2,000 years ago, the racial issues were off the chart. You had Jews who looked down on everybody. You had Gentiles who had issues with the Jews because they felt like the Jews thought they were better than everybody. You had slaves who were in slavery. You also have free men, and, and they used to be slaves. They had worked out or bought their way out, and slaves hated the free men, and then the slave owners never respected their free men. And then you had women. Women had absolutely no rights. They were property. All of these groups ended up in a church one day to listen to Jesus. After the church was born, somehow they worked through their decisions. <clears throat> they changed the culture. They started respecting the races, the people. This should give us hope. The church was the solution. When they realized they had something more in common than what divided them. We have something in common that's more important than what's dividing us. Fifteen years after the resurrection, Simon Peter still does not like the Gentiles. He still believed they're an inferior race, and there was a racial divide. 
he really thought God loved them, but not as much as him because he was a Jew. One day, God interrupted Peter with a vision, with directions, told him to go up the coast, go through the house of a Gentile, and tell the Gentile about Jesus. He struggled with this because he'd never been in the home of a Gentile. Wasn't supposed to. But he obeys. He goes up the coast. He goes into the home of a centurion. Not just a Gentile, but a Roman soldier, Cornelius. At that time, he would have been considered as a terrorist to the Jewish people in that part of the world. And by the way, Peter, 15 years after the resurrection, you know his story, he, he's not singing red, yellow, black, and white, they're precious in his sight. The first century church did not believe Jesus loved all the children of the world in the beginning. So while he's talking to Cornelius, Peter goes inside his house, and inside his house there's a large gathering of people, all kind of people. And he said to these people very boldly, he said, you're aware that it's against our law as, as, as a Jew to visit a Gentile, but God has told me I should not call you impure and unclean. He showed me not to call you names anymore. I know that made them feel better, but they're still afraid of Peter. Because God has done something inside of me. Now I see differently. Peter finally got it. God had to express and expose something inside of Peter for him to get it. Five years from that time, there's a meeting in Jerusalem, and finally the church pulled away from an Old Testament thinking that would divide the Jews and the Gentiles forever. We would not be here today if the church had not made that decision. Had it not been for the brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago allowing God to show them things in their hearts, what, what did he show them? He showed them that there's something bigger than Judaism. There's something bigger than the Roman Empire. There's something bigger than the Gentiles and slaves and the free men and being a man, not a woman. God did something unique in all the camps, made all the cultural changes in order for there to be unity in the church. It's how the gospel served the first century church. I'll tell you all that to tell you there's hope. We know it changed, and we're products of that change. And if it happened once, it can happen again in the church. And as the church grows in its influence during that season, it, did, it, 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 had, a, it had unity. It, they had unity. We, and we know the church can do that today because today our faith as followers of Jesus Christ. We, we can wrong, we, we, we can right the wrongs of history. But what does love require of us? What does it require? I think we know. It requires us to come together in relationships, get out of our comfort zones, but it requires us to come to a relationship with Jesus because he basically summed up everything and said, love God, love people. Love God, love your neighbor. Prejudice and racism is impossible to see in the mirror. Let me tell you why. Because it's hidden in your heart. And then we say, oh, I was raised that way. That's my cultural values. That's my family way of life. We need to ask God to show us our hearts. That's what happened to Peter. It, it took a while for Peter to get to the place, but God showed Peter, and then he stopped 
attacking the Gentiles. He, he, he wanted to eradicate them at one time, and, 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 and God changed his heart and allowed the church to impact the world for the next 300 years. A group of people putting aside every justification for something more important. We all have justification. We all have had wrongs. We, we've all, but, but, but there's something more important, and it's called unity. And when there's unity, God's presence is there. And the reason the church has to be at the center of this is it's only in the church we're taught that we're looking at people who are made in the image of God. And God is basically saying, I don't want you to mistreat my children and then try to get along with me. Let me show you your heart. It's a personal thing for you. Let God show you your heart. Jesus is saying to the Father, I, I can't miss the, mistreat the people and try to get along with my Father. That's the message of the cross. We have the message, and the leverage of the church will allow God to, sh if we will allow God to show us our hearts, we don't have any more excuses. So I want to ask you these questions. Do you have a problem with judgmentalism? Do you condemn others or struggle with forgiveness. I think we need to acknowledge our imperfections. I think we need to abandon our right to get even. And let me say this. As we close our services every weekend, we're going to do the same thing. There will be leaders in the front who would love to pray with you. This may be your first time to visit here. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Or maybe there's some things that you want someone to pray with you about. Maybe you need God to show you your heart because you can't look in the mirror and see it. It's when the circumstances arise, it's when situations present themselves that what's in the heart comes out. So I want us to pray. I want us to pray for you. Last week, at lunch, right here at the Eastern Shore Center, I ran into Pastor Mike Heyman. I've known Mike for a long time. He pastors Healing Place Church in Baton Rouge. His family had been on vacation. He was coming home because of what took place last Sunday in Baton Rouge. And I said, how are you doing? How's the church doing? He said, well, one of the officers was a member of our church. He was going home for the funeral, to do the funeral. And it just hit me real hard right there in the restaurant. Uh, I pastor policemen in all of our campuses. I just felt like, yes, we want to pray for you if there's some things that you're struggling with, but I just want us to kind of pause that button for just a minute. I want us to pray for our local police. At all of our campuses, the Mobile campus, the Mobile Police Department's represented, the Foley campus, the Foley Police Department's represented, Baymanet, the Baymanet Police Department's represented. Here at the Malvis campus, we're so honored to have Chief of Police of Spanish Fort, Chief Edgar, with us. We're very uh, excited that our very own Carl Donnelly, Daphne PD, is here with us. And then also one of our sheriffs. As you know, we hire off-duty police officers, and we've been doing this five or six years at all of our campuses. And I just felt in my heart that it would be good for us to pray for their wisdom, for grace and protection, and for their families. The fear, the doubts, 
the, the things that go through their mind. And so I've asked them to come to the platform, and I'm going to ask you at all the campuses, you have an officer on your platform, I'm going to ask all the people on all the campuses, would you stand? And together, let's pray for our police. Can we do that? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have given us authority in our land, and our authority has released delegation to police officers in our land, in our county, in our cities. And Lord, we know right now there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of controversy, but we lift up them individually, their homes, their families, their children, and we ask you to give them wisdom and give them peace. And we pray for their protection. And Lord, most importantly, we pray for their spiritual hearts because, Lord, as they go out any day and every day to serve and protect, there are so many things that could take place. I pray that their hearts know you and that you are the Lord of their lives. So we pray a blessing and protection over all the police in Mobile and Baldwin counties, over the cities that we have represented, in the cities that are not. These men at all the campuses, they are representing all of the officers and so, Lord, we're praying for all of them for wisdom and direction and comfort and peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all of the church said, Amen. 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 Would you give these gentlemen a hand? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you.